From the Amore Cafe and Juice Bar in Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we're turning the spotlight on props and production designer Janine Jones. You may not know it, but you've seen Janine's work on Saturday Night Live, The Today Show, and Late Night with Seth Meyers. Not to mention Monty Python's Spamalot, Mel Brooks's The Producers, Jersey Boys, and let's just name a few. She's also an accomplished playwright, screenwriter, director, and founding member of Dora May Productions. We're going to talk to her about that and so much more. But first, let me welcome you, Janine, to In What Works On Air. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's wonderful to be with you today, Janine, as we look out on a kind of sunny and soggy and kind of quiet Broadway Avenue here in Inwood. Uh, we are, of course, in the middle of an unprecedented moment in New York City as we enter our seventh week of quarantine in the face of the worldwide corona pandemic. Non-essential businesses remain closed, and for many around the world, face masks, social distancing, and regular disinfectants become the norm. Uh, and for the record, uh, dear listener, we are observing all those precautions today for social distancing as we record. Uh, but first things first, Janine, how are you and yours? Doing well. It's uh, been a big change in lifestyle. I bet. Uh, these are historic times for sure, and uh, around the world for that matter. So being a native New Yorker, uh, you lived through a lot of defining events that affected this world. How do you find yourself responding to them now as an artist? It's very interesting because I don't think anything like this has ever happened. The only correlation I have a little bit is right after 9-11 when it got, the city got very quiet, I felt, and very kind. The people that were out on the street were friendly and willing to help. People were handing each other cell phones to make phone calls to loved ones. Um, But I don't feel like it went on this long. I mean, it was percussive. I mean, it, it's resonated through the decades, but it didn't go on this long, this kind of thing we're going through now. Right. So as we continually pivot and adjust our personal daily routines, uh, how do you feel it will affect the lives of backstage theater, film, and TV union workers? I think that Broadway will be the slowest to come back and the hardest hit because it's never happened. And those shows work on such small margins of profit that I believe that when they reopen theaters in June, they say, I think most of them will close because they won't have been able to sustain staying closed this long. And coming back to theaters that were at capacity with $200 tickets, if you cut that down to a third, they can't make enough to produce and pay all the crew and the cast and designers and all of it. It's going to, I think just going to really change. And you feel possibly like the theater stagehands will be kind of defecting hope from film and television more, right? Maybe. I mean, TV is, can happen. TV, we can do late night with Seth Meyers in an, in a, in an odd audience less room. We can, it's not the same, you know, but you can, you can do TV with less right. if you have to. Right. Right. Well, we're all going to be very anxiously all waiting and participating, not as, not only as practitioners, but as audience goers too. And people who view uh, how TV is going to be made. It's going to be very interesting to see how it formulates and, uh, and what it does to jobs backstage. Right. Right. 
So um, much of what you do at Seth Meyers and SNL and NBC, NBC in general falls under uh, prop design. So many of our listeners will think they know exactly what that means. But uh, what actually is differentiating between uh, involved in prop design and then there's prop sourcing? Right. Well, so for example, um, let's see. When I worked on Saturday Night Live, I was the outside prop crew person for the Lonely Island digital shorts, the bulk of them, not every single one. And what I would do is they would ask me for a lot of stuff to get things to fill a room. They were doing an office scene. They needed a desk with a computer and paper and photos on the wall and all the things you do to make it seem real. But also in that instance, they were doing a lot of creative on the fly work. So I got a chance to, with those, make and create some of the stuff. An example would be in all the laser cat shorts, the silly looking laser cat guns. Sigourney Weaver had a lion when she came on that was strapped to her like and shot laser beams out of its eyes. And I had to come up with a way to make that look both cheap and well done. That was their kind of vibe, how it looked. So that's an example of doing an artistic part. Late Night with Seth Meyers, it's a lot of interviews, but they do do sets. There's been an ongoing bit now, twice, uh, uh, something called Late Night Dioramas. And they are introducing political events in a visual format in the old school student diorama to explain an event in a very simplistic, funny, artistic way. And what's great about that is that the writers came up with these dioramas and presented it as if they had just made them themselves at home. When really it took months and months and months. And it took the writers talking to the set designer, the set designer coming with how each scenario was going to look. And then she gave uh, me a, a diorama to make. She gave my uh, the head of outside props, the prop master, a diorama to make. A scenic designer got one. A uh, art director got one. Like we all spread out and did them all. And then we presented them to the writers, got feedback, changed things. So the first one that I got to make for that, and it's fun because you're doing arts and crafts at work, was there was a Robert Mueller, Mueller Report, Elizabeth Warren take. So that's the one I worked on and, you know, got notes and changed and built. Um, And the second late night dioramas they did, I worked on a piece that had the Queen of England very mad at Harry and Meghan <laughs> leaving the royal family. But that was a really fun collaboration because the portrait of the Queen, she got steaming red and fog came out of her ears. Like she was so mad. So that was special effects. An art director helped make uh, the Queen portrait. We had stomp rockets for the Meghan and Harry to get stomped out of existence. You know, it was like a big collaboration. And we don't. That's, for me, the really fun part. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. And finally, let's be honest, Seth. The biggest story of the year so far was when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle announced that they're stepping back from their roles in the royal family and moving to Canada. Right. Now, you can learn all about this in this diorama. Oh, my God, look at this. All right. Yeah, yeah, dang right. Look at it. Okay, so here's... Prince Harry, and here's Meghan Markle. Uh-huh. And they're like, we are out of here. <laughs> now, over here is Kate Middleton, and she's like, please take me with you. <laughs> okay. 
And then over here is the British press, and they're like, who are we going to write racist stuff about now? <laughs> okay. And then over here is a bunch of corgis, and they're like, don't you think these people are a little too into us? Okay. Now, Harry and Meghan didn't give Queen Elizabeth a heads up that they were going to make this big announcement. So here's what she looked like when she heard it. <laughs> her, her face got rough. She got cartoon angry. Cartoon angry. Yeah. And here's what it will look like when they leave. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, they landed. They landed in camp. Oh, there she is. That's great. Well, we can't talk about your prop work, obviously, without mentioning to maybe the most infamous prop you made. The, uh, the dick in a box. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is you think you, can, you have plans for that. And it was the first digital short I was sent out on. I was the only crew person on that day. And they said, bring some wrapped gifts. And I said, okay. So I wrapped a bunch of gifts to look really nice with nice big bows and really nice. That's all I knew. I get in the van. We get to the basketball court where we're, the first shot is. And... They, I say, here are the gifts. And they say, well, those are the wrong shape. And I said, excuse me? Because they didn't tell me anything. I didn't know what was going on. So they explained to me the premise of the dick in a box. And I had to, in the back of the van, I broke apart some Dasani water bottle cardboard boxes and rewrapped them and then had to figure out how to attach them to Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake on the fly. And then listen to that song 400 times that day while they filmed it. People don't understand that, how communication is key. <laughs> and that maybe what's in your mind you have to express. Hey, girl, I got something real important to give you. So just sit down and listen. Girl, you know we've been together. Such a long, long time. Such a long time. And now I'm ready to lay it on the line. Wow, you know it's Christmas and my heart is open wide. Open wide. Gonna give you something so you know what's on my mind. What's on my mind. A gift real special. So take off the top. Take a look inside. It's my dick in a box. It's in a box. Not gonna get you a diamond ring. That sort of gift don't mean anything. Not gonna get you a fancy car. Girl, you gotta know you're my shining star. Not gonna get you a house in the hills. A girl like you needs something real. Wanna get you something from the heart. Something special, girl. It's my dick in a box. All those shoots, they just ran around town without permits, filming. And you think it's, you know, Saturday Night Live, but they were just running around, you know. Um, I did the throw it on the ground. That was all slow-mo throwing food on the ground. I had, you know, five of each thing. But we were out on the street, so we're throwing cakes on the ground. <laughs> And people are upset, you know? <laughs> Who's going to clean this up, you know? It was me. I had to get a broom, you know, clean. I, I, I had to clean it up. But, like, 
you know, it's just like it's full, and this and this and this. It's full circle. You make yeah. the prop, and now we're gonna we're, we're gonna show you how you use the prop. Now we're gonna make you fix the prop or, right. or, or get rid of the prop. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. There was another one, Andy punching people while eating, which is just him people taking a bite, and he comes and punches them in the face. And so they did a lot of takes. So I had like you know twenty things of Chinese takeout and twenty sandwiches and. All that. We'll say this too. It's <laughs> funny that they can afford 20 things with Chinese takeout and yet not a permit. Yeah, right. I know. And uh, I remember too, uh, he, there's a shot where Andy runs in to punch Will Forte, who's eating a slice of pizza in front of Pronto Pizza, which is right near work at 30 Rock. And people actually thought someone was being punched out because like the camera was back. <laughs> there was no lighting. It didn't look like a film shoot. People stopped. They look alarmed if you look at it. It's funny. I mean, it's funny, I guess, but it was funny, but... People thought it was real. It never looked like a film set. It looked like people running around with a handheld, you know? So note to all you do-it-yourselfers <laughs> out there. If SNL can do it, so can you <laughs> yeah, too. Right. Well, the world of props is just one part of your creative life. Uh, you've written and directed work that's been produced all over the city. Uh, you co-wrote The Last Christmas Party. I did. Uh, Thank you for owning up to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> An independent feature film produced by Dora May Productions, yep. uh, which you co-founded with your mom and sisters. Yep. And uh, so why don't we start uh, with Dora May and how'd that come about? That came about, um, my parents were both people who moved to New York City to break into the acting business and did to varying degrees of whatever, but mainly were always in the kind of very underground, off, off, off Broadway theater scene, making plays happen and things happen and so like my first prop job was my mom's play when I was nine I handed props to the actors backstage you know while she did a, while a play a play of hers was being produced do you remember where it was it was I don't know it was way downtown in sure. the west village before the west village kind of exploded into you know really where no one can afford to live but it, it, it was a place down there the writers collect I, I can't remember, but it was a play. That was my first job. I, when I was in high high school, I got hired to stage manage a show at the Pelican Theater. I got paid seventy five bucks a night as a sixteen year old. Direct Sweet stage managing actors. I was like, what is this? This is great. <laughs> I always wanted to be behind the scenes. I never wanted to act. My uh, sisters would act and do stuff like that, but I didn't. And so, yes, we just started to slowly kind of produce things. We produced a lot of weekly uh, stand-up comedy, sketch comedy shows when I was in my 20s. We produced my mom's play, The Breezeway. She got a grant for it, the Barilla Kerr Award. And we used that money to produce that play. Uh, and then we decided to try to make a feature film. And I co-wrote it with my mom. We, we grew up in a large rent-stabilized apartment. We used that as the backdrop and a Christmas party that we had every year. So there was a documentary aspect to all the guests coming and actually being filmed at our annual Christmas party and then uh, scenes weaving through it uh, of scripted scenes. Well, by your own admission, you've been involved in writing, directing, and producing theater uh, films since you were 14, 15, mm-hmm. nine now, nine. <laughs> perhaps. We know. Um, do I hear eight? Uh, so uh, it's also included a few years of improv sketch with the mug shots. Yeah, I did that. I did a few years. I, I was in college, and I would come in on the weekends and perform in a weekly improvisation troupe. 
amazing and also leads to your writing and very much informed your comedy and your and also mixed with the great sincerity with your, your, your incredibly insightful entertaining blog memory jones oh that's nice yeah that was a thing i started writing prose more uh, not prose i guess it's nonfiction. it's my life as a parent but because when you have kids kind of the working time you have to create shrinks you have kids you have that to do as well as your job and all the things you do so i wrote about being a parent and raising your kids in 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 york city as you're raised in york city and also as a working professional right and trying to keep it all together amazing uh is there anything you haven't tried that you'd like to have a go at so what does the future hold i mean you've done so much you have this great foundation of creativity um i don't know i think I think it's great to be a part of creating art in all of its ways, in all of the roles, and learning how many moving parts there are to whatever happens. If it's the show you're doing for free and all of your friends are helping to a show like Saturday Night Live, how many people there are that actually have a part to play. And it's all of the roles are important, and it's not just about the star of the show. It's about all of the people around them and what they do. I think that's great. And I really like it. I like being in TV. I would love to get back in the theater. I love being back, being backstage and making the props happen and work on a show. It's very fun. Never a dull moment. Things go wrong. It's live theater. I never actually want to have to go out on stage again to the slow clap of finding a broken prop in the middle of the stage and walking off with it. When was that? Uh, on the producer's. The motorcycle that Franz rode out was an actual World War II motorcycle that they retrofitted. It weighed a ton. And because of the way it it gets driven on stage is it's in a track that we knifed into the track on the stage. And he would roll out. And when he jumped out, one out of 30 times that knife would jump out of the track and the motorcycle would just grind to a halt. Oh, jeez. So me and the other prop person on the other side of the stage would have to run out, and I would lift the back of the motorcycle and get, get it back in line, and we'd roll it off stage to applause. I think you it found was... the title of your autobiography. <laughs> Slow clap. Slow clap, yeah. <laughs> you don't want it. You never want to be on stage when you're not supposed to be there. <laughs> Well, we've all been there in some respect in our lives. Whatever that's a metaphor for your lives, dear listener, you know you've experienced it in some way. Yeah. Well, Janine, there's so much we could talk about your work uh, that we get not, not get a chance to talk about. Um, is there a place where listeners could possibly go to find out more about you and what you do? Like, like maybe the Dorme website or your Memory Jones or... Yeah, I guess uh, my my blog is memoryjones at blogspot.com. Dorme, the producing part of it, kind of got put on hold with just family. You sure. know, I have a seven and a half year old and a four and a half year old. And uh, so that is less now, but you could search, search, search. Certainly go look at the website, which is dorme.com, and see. Thank you so much, Janine, for being here. And sure. Is there anything else you want to share that we haven't covered? I don't know. No, I, I don't Silence know. speaks loudly. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, uh, we'll have those links up um, for you on our In What Artworks on our website. Um, 
I want to thank Janine for joining us here on this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air, where we introduce you to the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and stagehands and props designers of all stripes that make their home in upstate Manhattan here. Please be sure to follow us at Inwood Artworks and at inwoodartworks.nyc on the web to keep up with all that we do, which includes programs like the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And stay tuned also for more editions of Artist Spotlight. Thanks again to the fine folks here at Amore Cafe and Juice Bar for hosting us. Um, they are open and ready for business. Please give them your love. Inwood Artworks is all about supporting local small businesses, and we hope you are too. So for Inwood Artworks On Air, this is Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air. If you have a moment, please show some love right now for this podcast and for the musicians, artists, filmmakers, and writers and designers of all stripes here in Inwood by reviewing Inwood Artworks On Air on iTunes. It really helps and we appreciate it. Thanks. Be sure to also check out Live and Local, our series where we showcase the songs and stories of Inwood's musical artists and creators. In the meantime, stay tuned for more Artist Spotlight programs every month from Inwood Artworks.